One of the most significant things is this. That all of us are called in the church. That's the first thing that was emphasized. The second thing is that under general calling. The second thing is that nevertheless, under the specific calling, every member of the church has been given an ability to operate in one of the five regions of ministries. And some among them are called by God to be ministers in the ministry. The fivefold ministry. Now, one thing that is so glaring there is this. One of the reasons why many Christians are frustrated or they fail is because they occupy an office God did not assign them. If somebody occupies an office that is not assigned by the evidence of Ephesians chapter 4 verse 7, it means that that person is not wired by God to function there. It means that Jesus didn't give that person a portion of grace for that office. So what happens is that you have a person who is appointed to an office, but is useless in the office. That will, uh, that will affect two regions. It will affect that person personally and frustrate the person because the person will not flow, no matter how much you fast and pray. The second thing it will do is that it will frustrate the members. Because they never want to see that person on pulpit doing that stuff. Even children will be fed up. <laughs> if they say that others should preach, let's say he's a pastor. They say others should preach when you call him. People will be... Because he hasn't got the grace. It also happens to ministers who have the grace, but they haven't developed the grace. So I ended the last session telling you the things you need to do for your grace to grow. But in this session, I want to go into church itself. Haven't looked at the topic, the church of the living God, yesterday. I want to begin to lead, uh, uh, lead you into the church and then crisis and crisis management in the church. And I will equip you a lot. So the first thing, having known your calling now, is to look at the composition of the church. The church is composed. So this topic is called the two arms in church operation. The church is composed of two arms, the spiritual and the administrative. Anywhere you have people gathered together, there is something they call people management. People management applies. And this is where intellectual knowledge is very necessary for church operations. So if you did theology, or you did church management, or you did normal management, you did MBA, you did the law, you did medicine, you did engineering, project management, or whatever you have done, philosophy, psychology... Where you need those things is what I'm talking about, I'm about to talk about. Anybody who thinks that church is just spiritual, you will fail. Because it is spiritual, but it's the embodiment of people who are flesh and blood. People who are 
Singles, married, you know, problems that an ordinary human being will have, and spiritual problems too. And all these people that come to the church, God expects us and the church to address all aspects of their lives. Therefore, let us look first at the spiritual arm. The spiritual arm consists of the departments in the church that are set up in the church for the day-to-day running and operation of the church. They are the ones who make the spiritual going. And this spiritual arm, therefore, comprises the board of elders and ministers, intercessors, and evangelism team. That's the outreach team. Board of elders and ministers. Really, somebody had, uh, in editing, changed what I put here. I will give you that again. You know when you give something to editors? If you can't regurgitate what you wrote, if you did copy from people, when they will change it, you won't know it. Hallelujah. <laughs> but if it is your intellectual creation, let them wipe it off. You regurgitate. So, the spiritual arm, first of all, comprises, number one, the board of elders. We comprise the ministers and elders. Number two, ordained leaders. Then number three, intercessors and evangelism team, which we call the outreach team. Then you have the choir, <clears throat> which is number four. Number five, you have ushers. And under ushers, anybody that usher others is an usher. You have greeters, admitters, transport section, collect, collectors, and watch, and all stuff. Those who collect offering and the watchmen who preside over them when they collect the offerings. Anyone who is involved in ushering service is an usher. Number six, teachers. And those teachers span from Sunday school teachers who teach the children to people who teach believers class or who are engaged in Bible teaching, any teaching, baptismal class, Bible school, etc. 
then you have home or cell group leaders. Then you have follow-up and visitation team. Then you have the media and the technical team. And this comprises those who are in the sound mixing, those who are in the uh, recording section, video production, post-production, projection, and all stuff like that. Then you have bookshop and preaching materials team. They are the ones who sell books, who sell preaching materials, resources, and stuff like that. Then you have those who could be classified as counselors which I call spiritual advice team. The reason why I use the word spiritual advice team is because if you call a person a counselor, you have brought him under duty by law. And they can sue that person for counseling them. And people can say that his counsel destroyed me. And in court, the, the court will first want to know the validation of the counselor who validated you. Which body of counseling do you belong? Do you, are you educated as a counselor? Counseling is what you read as a degree in university. So for church counseling, we call it spiritual advice. And when we call it spiritual advice, it means that in law, anybody certified or ratified by the church council is legitimate in law to give advice within the spiritual confinement, which is the Bible. But such a person cannot give advice on marriage, advice on, you know, um, business, or anything that is different from church. Then welfare team, and then stage hand and sanitation. Now, what we're looking at is the structure that comprises the spiritual arm. All these operations are needed in every service for service to hold. Like you see them now. You see them standing. They meet you from the door. Before we came here, we used here every day. After we finish, a group will clean this place. That's why we come in every day and it's clean. The toilets, they will clean it and make sure it's okay. If you come and use it yesterday, if you come back today, since nobody used it. You have the choir who sang. You have those who will lead prayer and worship. And you have people praying for this meaning every day. All these operations are necessary in the church for any church to function adequately. What happens to a church at the beginning is that these operations are but it's operated by a few people. Let's say a church of 12, 13, 14. And we need to recognize also that most of these operations are progressive. While a church will have all this in its plan and its structure, people will grow into them. But if a church does not have it in its structure, then there will be crisis. Because these are the things you need as a pastor 
for your spiritual to function. And if you don't have them as template for every one of you, you can always use the template I have. Or of course, you should do that. Just don't need to be cracking your head. But the template is not rigid too because it allows, you know, adaptation to various circumstances. Like, you know, welfare, you can create as many uh, operands that's just for the welfare of people. When we look at the structure of CFT uh, on Friday morning, you will, I will give you the template and you will see the full template and you can have it. Now, I haven't talked about the spiritual. That is the, the, the um, sections you need in church to, to run a service. We must always recognize also that the church itself has five major people groups. Another that you can write, there are also five major people groups in the church. And this people group must be catered for, or else your church is not functioning. The first people group are the women group. In CFT, we have the Women of Our Destiny, and other churches have names for their women group. Second thing is the men's group. In CFT, the men's group is the light of the world. And every Christ of Tabernacle should have that. The third group are the youth group. In CFT, the youth group is called the Youth of Real Destiny. And the fourth group are the primaries. We have among the primaries now boys, they call them uh, the um, morning star and girls they call them girls in the crown and then you have the toddlers the toddlers are the age of 3 to 6 primaries age of 7 to 11 youth group 12 to 36 and men's group 20 to the end of the earth Women's group, 20 to the end of the year. Then you discover that the youth group, the men and the women group, intercept. And I did that, you know, you know um, uh, deliberately. It's in line to, uh, to, uh, to achieve the vision I have for CFT Church. Because once you get 20, you have become a senior youth. You are progressing into a senior youth into your 36, so that at that time, you are beginning to uh, occupy roles of administration of, this, of the youth, but at the same time, you are mixing with the adults to be trained and be reoriented in your brain, so that you can do and engage yourself in adult life and be properly guarded in adult life. But at, at the same time, you are effective in the youth group, which you will be able to display your gifts and, you know, have your commitment and a role. Now, and you understand the fact that we have youth who are married because our youth goes to 36. When a youth gets to the age of 30 to 36, they, be, they, they, they assume management role in the youth group 
mentoring those who are younger. Really from 25 they do that. I stand there with mentoring. The youth group of course, in the applies to, to deal with issues of youth. They do mentoring and they monitor youth from secondary school to university throughout their university and get them into employment. They set up a group called Young Professionals in Christ, which is targeted to getting youths who are almost university leavers, exposing them to better life, where they will arrange, um, you know, symposiums and they invite top organizations like from Berkeley Capital, from HSBC, executive, chief executive in some places, youths who have become you know, top notchers in business, and they hold these meetings in hotels where they pay and they go there to be equipped by those people. And this is one of the things that have helped the youth of Christ with Tabernacle to be great achievers. Any youth in CFT Church who is involved can never be at the bottom of the ladder. Impossible. Because associations shape your thinking. And the people who are leading them are goal-getters and great achievers. But at the same time, those youths who are over 20 come to the women's group and the men's group to be equipped how to be a woman for the, for the ones who are young women. To be equipped how to be a man for the one who is, who is a young man. But when they're over 36, they go into fully into the mainstream men and women group, except those who are their spiritual oversight. Because when you are given a commission of spiritual oversight, it lasts throughout your life. Now, a fulfilling church must take care of these groups accordingly. Hence, all church planters must carry all these groups in their mind while thinking about church planting adequately. Now, training programs and lectures must be in place to help the spiritual, mental, social, and physical development of all these people group in the church. For those of you who are CFT uh, pastors, you can always get all materials from here. Now, the second arm of the church is administrative arm. Somebody may begin to think that, oh, well, I mean, all these um, uh, groups that you are talking in the church, are they not administrating? No, they are not. Maybe, if you define that in a spiritual sense, they are spiritual administrators. But their job is to ensure that the day-to-day -day operation of the church is achieved. But the administrative arm of the church are liable to the, to the, um, to the, they are liable to the compliance of the church. On Friday, tomorrow is Thursday. Yeah, I'm looking at governance. Don't miss it. When I teach you on governance, if you apply to business, you will explode. Because what I teach on governance, I think I can say I'm a professional in it. I got distinction in governance law. So I can say I'm a professional in it. But administration. As we are aware that the running operation of the church is very complex. 
as it involves various arms managed by various people, involved people who are involved in services, production and coordination, which is run through human resources and finance. Then there is a need for a well structured operation so that we can account for the list of our membership. Now, you, this is the reason for administrative section. Of course, the, the both sections. We deal with human beings who are complex. And not all their need is spiritual. Some may be ethical. Some may be financial. And we set up all these operations in the church. Understand, when you set an arm in the church, that arm must have a budget because they will draw money to run. Usher's group, look, this time we want to do the, the, the program. I just walked in and I saw the, some boxes. I said, what are these ones? I called the king child. He said, uh, it is uh, the, um, the uh, tabernacle women. I said, okay. There are different governments in this church. <laughs> I saw another thing. What is this for? Boxes, they said it is the ushers. Do I need to know what is there? No. Because I have delegated the authority. They have to think of what is necessary to make my meeting flow. In thinking about that, each of the departments may come up with needs. Things that they need. That means... They will draw money from the church. If they draw money from the church, I am accountable to the government together with my trustees and administrators to ensure that our money is judiciously spent, of which if we fail, we can be victim of the law of the country. So because of that, the administrative arm is so important in church. What are the areas of administrative arm or administration, arms of administration? Number one, church data management. Number two, church program planning, development and management. Number three, I will give you this in printout by Friday. Church office management account and accounting. Number four, staff and volunteering management. Number five, church outreach and follow-up management. Number six, church multimedia design, print, radio, television, tape production and sales. Number seven, church budgeting and project financing. Tomorrow I'm talking about budgeting. Today, in my next lecture, I will introduce you to it. If you look at this, I don't think things will do better than this. I don't think any corporate organization do more than this. Because church is not just come and preach on pulpit. People who get saved on pulpit, how do you follow them up? How do you attend to the social needs of people, which Jesus commanded us to do? Therefore, after the office is over, some people are in charge called the office. That's why church employ people and have an office. Because when we come in, people come into church, 
Some people have to register their names into the computer. And also, not only that, assign those people for follow-up by the nearest members to their area. We'll talk about the procedure of all that tomorrow because I want to cover many more things today. At the same time, in that service we collected offerings. That offering must be counted by some people and they must be credible people in line with the legal demands of the country. So, the same thing, our children department, people who teach there, must comply with the legal requirements of the country. So, because of that, we have to do what they call CRB check, criminal, you know, record uh, uh, check for them. To make sure that they were not criminals, they are not child abusers and stuff, all of them will be certificated by the government of our country. In case they come and they ask us, we do that. They have it. Then those in the church who are, who are professionally children workers, we use them in the area to shape that section with their knowledge. But the office therefore manages the data of people. They manage also offering that comes in. They record it against each person. At the end of each financial year, a member can come and say, can you give me the record of what I gave this year to this church as a charity so that they can go to the government and take back, you know, uh, the, the, you know, tax back that's from the, uh, from the government. Now, if they demand for their record any time, a church must be able to give it. But if they demand for somebody else's record, you cannot. Because of Data Protection Act. At the end of each month, an accountant will walk into the church every month. A church must have it. To balance all the books of the church. These are all the offerings collected, tithes and building fund and everything. And all the things that you, you spent, money that came, went out of the account, who spent it, for what reason. Where is the document? So therefore, in our church, for anything to be bought, we must have a requisition. That is, somebody who needs the, 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 to buy, writes a requisition that we, in this department we need to buy XYZ, details of it. Two, we, we pass that requisition, the head of the department signed it, pass it to my office as a resident pastor, not as overseer now. I'm asking my book as a resident pastor. I have to now sign it. For me to sign, I must ensure that they truly need it. What do you need it for? And then they must satisfy me that they have looked for minimum two or three sources to buy it. And that what they are presenting to me to approve is the cheapest of the same quality. That shows prudence. And then I sign it. When I sign it, I pass it to the, to the treasurer to release the fund. When the treasurer releases the fund, they will come back to me with the invoices and they send it to the office. So, for each spending, there is financial record. Requisition, approval of the requisition, first level, second level approval. Then there is procurement, there is invoice to back up, and there is 
reconciliation. And then, at the end of the month, the accountant checks every penny spent. And he will prepare it as an accountant. At the end of the year, an auditor, who is an external person, will come to audit the work of the accountant. And then raise queries in areas of invoices that may be very tiny, but the receipt was not found. And we have to find such receipts and give it to the auditor. But if we have an accountant in-house who do auditing, okay, what that means is that our auditor will spend less days auditing and it means we will pay less. We introduced that to CFT after we have been paying so much money for auditor. At one year, we looked at it and why don't you employ an accountant? And we got our auditor to give us an accountant he trained, our audit firm. So he knows all about that auditing firm. And he made sure that he did everything necessary. By the time we did that, we cut down the, the um, money, the fees of our auditor by over 30,000 pounds. Whereas the accountant that we employed were paying him 12,000. So I'm a good manager. I saved the church 30,000 over for expenses of 12,000. And get it better and efficiently done. That is the brain of a CEO. A pastor is a CEO of the church. What about if a pastor doesn't do that? You will soon get bankrupt and your church will close down and you have nothing to do. That is the, 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 the position. Tomorrow I will take you deeper into you know, the intricacies about governance and compliance which will help you. But today I just want to help you understand that the office of the church is not to be occupied by mediocres. They must be occupied by qualified people. You don't employ people because of favoritism. Because whenever you pay, you have established a relationship of an employee, an employer. And I say this to you. Which means somebody has an obligation to deliver a service of which he must be remunerated accordingly in line with the scale of the country and the employer have a, an obligation to pay tax, to pay NI if they do it, every incumbency that is applicable to that employment. Because if the government pounds on you and you are not in compliance, your church is closed down on the spot and you are taken for fraud. Now the headquarters church will deal with such a pastor terribly. Because we have trained you and we expect you to be compliant. That is one of the integrity we stand for. But in any nation, nobody has anything against us. We cannot tell people to correct people when we are never faulty. We can't tell people to be righteous when we are unrighteous. So therefore, the administrative section is um, quite extensive, necessary, under the administrative section, I talked about data management, and I talked about church program planning. I talked about church office management and accounting, staff and volunteering management, church outreach and follow-up, um, church multimedia design, print, and all of communications, church budgeting and financing. Now, all these areas are compulsory for a church. The church... The money collected in a church does not belong to the founder. 
Neither does it belong to the pastor. Both the founder and the pastors are paid as employees. And they are subject to the employment law of their country. That is the reason why I'll be taking you now just briefly into a little bit of governance structure. Let me talk about this. So, to be compliant in CFT Church, we have two uh, trusteeship. The first trustees are the spiritual trustees who are the board of elders and administrators. The second trustees are the government trustees, the legal trustees. And the legal trustees, if you go to the charity commission or the company house, you will see their names there. To choose legal trustees, we make sure that each individual that comprises the legal trustees are qualified professionals. Because they will be responsible for any queries from government. And for the legal trustees and administrators, we put them together. Administrators, we are appointing churches, people who are maybe accountants, who is not a trustee, or, you know, uh, you know a top business person who is not a trustee, somebody who has, uh, you know, business training, BSc or MBA or whatever. Uh, and we do that because we need their professional knowledge in advising issues that are to administration. And they are not just recent people. Another good practice is to, to introduce into that administrative meeting a young person who is very qualified. And that will be seen by the government as a good standard practice. But they meet in this house four times in a year. When we go to meet, we meet from 9 a.m. to 5, that is where we will look at every aspect of the church running. And we we'll look at every branch. If there is any issue in a branch, we we'll look at it and we we'll take decisions. If there is any issue in a local church, we we'll look at it and take decisions. These people, I was telling you, if you have more grace, you have more trouble. These people, during that period, cannot live as married men or stuff like that, or married women. They have to leave whatever they are doing. And of course, by God's grace, those who are our administrators, they are directors and executives of various big organizations. But during that period, they will take off from their office and will gather together too. This is what is giving this church success. It's what is giving this church success. And I also, as the CEO, I do budgets. They will be teaching you about that on, 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 on Friday. For every year, I look at the expenses of the church last year and each month comparison income for three years against number of attendance of those months, those years. What does those things give me? It helps me to recognize that every March, this church earns highest income every year. What happened? Because we are having anniversary of convention. Okay? But then if we are having anniversary of convention and the highest income comes this week, I compare that with the expenditure of the week. 
certainly it will be the highest expenditure of the week. Oh, because we have high income doesn't mean that we have a high profit. So therefore, I would now decide next year, we had highest income in, in uh, anniversary time, but we have had a lot of expenditure. How do we mitigate and reduce our expenditure so that we can raise our profit margin up? What is in a minister ensuring that you are trading in profits? If you are not trading in profits, you can only have visions and it cannot be fulfilled because you need cash to run visions. Let me say this to you. That is the reason why a pioneer must not send a mediocre to be a parish pastor. A jobless man must not be posted by any one of you to pastor a parish. Because a man who had not distinguished himself as responsible, according to the Bible, to earn a living by himself, whether he's a carpenter or he's a graduate, doesn't matter. He has a job and he lives by himself. He does not have the brain to manage the church. The church is not just come, come to speaking for it and go. No. What happens after all of you are gone is what I'm telling you, the back engine. So if you are saying that I want to be a pastor, understand the trouble you are looking for. Are we together now? Now let me help us understand this. Because we do all these things, okay, which to make the church going, we have to train various streams of operation. We have to train leaders, some of our leaders, have to go and get some training to really know what's going on. And some of our staff, we have to train them in various areas to enhance the work that they are doing and make their work easier to deliver. And we have to set up training in the church as well to pick up some few people to go and train them so that they can function well. All these things, you know, involves money. Okay? And if it involves money, a pastor must be a good manager of God's wealth. We have to increase salaries of workers according to the standard of the country. Even probably more generous we do, better than the standard of the country. And we cannot, if we do not meet up with the budget, of course in companies, if the company did not make profit, they would not increase salaries. Now the salary of a pastor is not mandatory to be paid. Okay? Because the agreement and contract of pastor is that the salary of pastor cannot be paid unless all the liabilities of church have been met. So it means that for a pastor to have increment in salary, he has to produce. It is godly. It is scriptural. Because if you don't, and you take your resources, you will soon have no church to pass. They will get it now. So in this case, therefore, we have ministers in our, in our position as ministers. Why you can get increment every month, every year, and our staff in the office should get increment every year. We may not get it for 10 years. We may not get it for 5 years for two reasons. Either we are not producing enough or we decide to peg our salary because we want to build more resources in the church. But at the same time, we do not owe our ministers. If a minister does that, Okay, that look, I don't think I should have an increment because we need to build more. 
If it is five years, the salary is not, is not increased. And five years, the minister has built the resources high. What the church does, we increase the salary now because it's comfortable to do so and backdate it so that we give him arrears. That's what we do. Because the Bible says you cannot muzzle an ox when it rests on the ground. Our ministers must be well financially taken care of, but by the work they do. So, if you look at this, there are four. Haven't known the other time about your calling, and we are very happy about sending you to the field. Wow! Now I'm showing you the problem you will meet in the field and the responsibility that you are carrying. They call it a jagger. <laughs> Hallelujah! <laughs> They should put it in English dictionary. I think I have just 10 minutes to clear this area before going into the, the church crisis. The administrative area is very interesting. Let me just give you this. You know, church also do have social projects. The reason why we have social projects is because Jesus commanded us to do so in Matthew 28:19. And the book of Proverbs chapter 1, 21 verse 13, it says, If a man shuts his eye to the poor, he too will cry out and not be answered. So social projects is towards social building integration and poverty elevation. Social project doesn't mean poverty elevation. If you look at that 28th of, of Matthew, Jesus said we should take care of people in the house first, not outside there. Use the money of God to first help the poor in God's house. Not going to be feeding people outside when there are hungry people in your own church. That is not in line with God. Okay? Not to be clothing people outside when you have a lot of people not clothing your own church. That does not impress God at all. If you do that, you are just wasting your money. If you want God to bless you, your widow must be taken care of before you are talking about widow outside. The fatherless should be taken care of in the house before you talk about the fatherless outside. The point in the house, you have a project to help them. At the same time, too, we have other areas of social project, which is on the education. We want to build schools, primary school, secondary school, nursery, and all stuff like that, depending on the need that face your community. We want to build hospitals, and we want to express our benevolence to address issues and needs that faces both our community and outside there. So going outside there means we are doing something in the name of Jesus for the people outside, so that they can be converted and know the love of God. But you know that these things, all these things I'm teaching you, God downloaded to my head. This is not copied from any human being under heaven. These are things God gave me 
for division of Christ the tabernacle. Everything I'm teaching you. So it's not something you can find in any church. These are one of our uniqueness. So we have other social actions, education, school skills, and skill training. We have poverty elevation schemes. We have care projects. We have agricultural projects, feeding the hungry and the rest of it. Mentoring projects, empowerment projects, which involves business seminars, job search, investment, finance, planning, and the rest. And number seven, advice center, which involves marriage, courtship, parenting, single parents, relationship, and business advice. Now, let me help us understand this, that for a church to be able to spread its wings, haven't helped those who are in-house. Haven't had programs to make sure that the jobless in your church get a job. To make sure that those who are in school get a help. So that all the children can be helped education-wise. Five, ten years, you will reap the reward. Because they will come out in their university with good class. And they get good job. They will not leave the house. Because it is their house. They don't know any other house than this house. So... How won't you invest your life to make sure that you get that done? Now when we decide to not go out there, we need extra income. We want to build school, primary school that will be free. Why? Because we're a church. If we build primary schools and the poor man cannot attend it, then something is wrong with us. People like myself went to free primary school, free secondary school. This is one of the calamities that is going to fall upon Nigeria when I go to the, into the network news. And we are beginning in Nigeria in April. Someone said to me, it cannot be possible. I say it's possible. The, 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 the television who interviewed me, they had that. They didn't put that on their news. They only put just one thing on that news. They are still going to use it, I'm sure. They are going to use it. Because some of my statements that I made there... The, when they ask me a question, I tell them what should be done. They say, well, what kind of man are you? Are you from the space? I went to primary Baptist, Baptist primary school free, Baptist secondary school free. If there was Baptist university, that would have free education. This church is bound by God to provide primary school free, secondary school free, subsidized vocational training, and also university, and hospital free. Who will work there? All of you doctors. You are a doctor here, what are you doing? As far as I'm concerned, if you are a doctor, if you don't work in CFT hospital free of charge, you are not qualified. <laughs> Look at all of them, they are looking at me now. <laughs> to qualify you, you have to go and work free. I told them, they asked me that, how will you achieve this? Simple. There are many people in Nigeria, for Nigeria they were asking me, who are not Christians, but they love humanity. They want to serve. Medical doctors are trained to serve humanity, not to milk them. That's the ethics of medical practice. I told them, it's not church people, because a lot of church people have been, have been, they have been vagabondized. Because of this prosperity, 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 everybody grab, 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 grab. If your leg looks like uh, Naira, they will have cut it off before they know it's your leg. For Nigeria, 
In England, it's not so because here, if you have money that is too much, they will come to your door, government will ask you, how did you make it? Isn't it? You can't just be flinging money in England. They will ask you. Well, as long as you really work hard for it, huh? and you pay tax. If tax man owe you for six years in England, they will backdate it and they pay you. But at the same time, if they pick on you, all the, <laughs> all the years that the locals have eaten, <laughs> you will vomit it. <laughs> Hallelujah. And if you are caught for it, you may have to resign your duty. So we are going to do that. Now, how could we achieve that? Because it's a lot of money. I began to study about Roman Catholic Church from beginning. Anglican Church. Baptist Church. How did they provide those services free? And I found out that they invested their money in business. Okay? So a church leader, pastor, must be business-minded. For you to, to invest money in business... You have to have saved a lot of money because the difference between you and a corporate organization is that corporate organization can just go and start a business with loan. Church can't because of integrity. So a church leader, therefore, pastor, must save to the maximum. Let me give you an example. This was given to me by God. What is the best business a, a, a Christian can do? The business that God gave them in the beginning. The ground. Is the ground. God said, God blessed the ground because of the righteous. Yes? So the, the, a believer in, a, in countries that that is easily possible. Okay? You can acquire acres of land and do farming. And when you do farming... You cannot give the farming out. You must be involved in the farming yourself. So that as you manage church, you manage that until it produces for you. In England, what I introduce churches to do is to invest in properties. And this church is doing that. I acquired a property for this church in 1992. And I, we bought it for 44000 Last year, investors came to me and offered me 750000 for that building. We still own it. We have tenants there. We are earning income there. But 44000 now they want to pay me 750000 Now, if I, as a business person, will think, why should I sell my assets that is still yielding and increasing? I would rather go to a bank and take out some equity from that property if we don't have another money and then invest them on more properties so that what is coming out from the properties we pay off all the mortgages. So in England, that's what we're doing. Estates. Because that is what prospers in England. In Nigeria, we acquire 430 acres. We invest on agriculture. And because God showed me showed my spiritual mother that angels showed her the money of Christ with tabernacle. And it's a trailer endless. They opened it, it was pound sterling. She said, the head of the Queen of England 
is uneducated. Now, that tells me as your leader that if we set up investment of farming in Nigeria, my ultimate aim is to import into England because it is the currency of England, God said. Yeah? If I don't import to England, I will export to England, I will export to other countries so that I can get dollars which is convertible to England money. So it means God, for me to fulfill that vision, we must establish a farming, we must establish exporting processing operations, and we must make sure we begin to export. And I've been working on that for the past three years. By our projection, by the end of this year, we'll have our first bumper harvest from that ground. By our projection, by the end of next year, we can see we are an exporter. Maybe of ethanol, which is the most demanded in Nigeria, outside Nigeria. The whole world ethanol production look to Nigeria for exports. The Nigerian government opened their wings and begged people to go into ethanol production. So today, I have started with an engineer who has given me the lowdown of processing of cassava to gari, which is the, you know, the grain which the whole of Africa need. And also, if I will set up a plan to turn cassava to ethanol, they are working on that now. All right. When that is ready for me, I cannot present to my administrators a solid plan. I haven't harvested by July and August. Now, therefore, my intention is that I want the Nigerian churches, because they are sitting on gold mine, to become the major hub that will fund CFT globally. And they can. When I looked at the land we have, you know, when I, once I dropped my, that's like, I don't want to postpone my dissertation. I must finish it even if I'm sleepless this week. Because from three weeks' time, I concentrate on Nigeria. Nigeria wealth can build UK. It can build Ireland. It can build everywhere. So when people are fighting and giving excuses that there is Boko Haram here, there is, um, there is Fulani chasing them, I am making money. Hallelujah, somebody. You know, when you look at law professions, this is what they use in depicting law profession. A lawyer, they show you a cow. On one side of the car is a man, on the other side of the car is the other man. And they have, both of them are quarreling over the car. And the lawyer is in the middle. While they are tantruming to themselves, the lawyer bends down and milks the car. Hallelujah, somebody. And then he tells this one one thing, tantrum continues. He's making the car. <laughs> While they are talking, all this problem is happening in Nigeria. They are saying Brexit and we are going to suffer in England. Europe is coming to England to break down. Everything will fall apart in England. I am looking at where is the money in England, Lord. To tell my members so that they can go make money. Let them keep fighting. We are making money. And we are looking at in Europe, where can we make money? Why they are quarreling about it? That's why God made me to be studying right now. European single market and Brexit. That's what I'm writing about. So that there is no secret in that area I don't know. So when I tell you that this is where money is, you, that's where it is. 
Same thing with Nigeria. I went there and listened to the governor. Governors, uh, they had the uh, business forum. And this guy was talking sense. I just was reminded today that we prophesied over Niger State government some years ago. And I was listening to the Niger State government. Uh, and I was hearing all what they were saying available in that place. And I'm saying to myself that all these churches, that did they not hear these people? They are talking nonsense. People are suffering. They can make money from all these people. Why can't they go and take licenses and mine, do mining? Why can't they take licenses and do exporting? The Niger government said, the Niger state uh, governor said, he has a project to feed half of Africa by 2020, and they have the land mass. And he's begging people to come and take land. See, after we go there, as we are preaching, we are also making money. But that making money too, we are creating livelihood for people. So that is the reason why we can build hospital and we can run it free. Because something is producing the money to pay for the infrastructure, which is people, some people will need to be paid. Okay? And others will do pro bono. If we are doing that, don't we have to bless the source of income? You know, why they don't know what is going on, we have gone too far. By the time that we come to the public, uh, we cannot be marked. Then we can now tell the people that everybody who have money in the bank, there should be a legislation, that is the churches. That if a church has up to X amount and beyond, the government should confiscate it and use it for their members. Not to take it, but to use it for their members. Oh yes, and I intend to do that in, London, in Nigeria. Because, I mean, of course, I'm in law. So, to talk in that area is easy. Because it is a peculiar mess. Now, let me help you understand. A church is a charity. So if it's a charity, the international law of charity applies. If they gather money somewhere in the, in the, in the, in the bank, doing nothing in line with the purpose of the charity, the government has the legal right to confiscate that money and use it for the purpose of the charity. So church management is headache. <laughs> but it's a good headache. Understand this. Now you know your gifts. Now you know your responsibility. You have the people. You have to make your people prosper. Both spiritually, financially, socially, familiarly, and any other ally. <laughs> any other ally. Now let me tell you this, therefore. Then you have to also make the church prosperous so that you are not begging for food. David said, I've been young, now I'm old. I've never seen the... I have come to the end of the first part. Huh? Let's now talk about trouble in church. But before we do that, I think we can just stand up and relax our legs. Stretch your leg. Elder Balopin is not here. He will have told us to do this. Eh. 